It's the Feel Nuts. Episode 202. The one where we get the commandments. The Feel Nuts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo brides out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theonites! What's up? Welcome once again. <laughs> two two weeks in a row. That's not bad, considering uh, we almost didn't make this week happen. So I'm yes, glad we're in the studio have. together. That's right. We week can and a half. Who's yeah. counting? Who's counting? How are you, David? <laughs> I'm making it. How are you, dude? Alive and well. Alive and well. Blowing and going. You know, having yeah. uh, having a lot of fun. You almost got. Uh, blown away speaking of blowing and going yesterday yes we did it was um it was interesting <laughs> we it, texas is so weird like especially when it comes to weather like <laughs> for one you never know what it's gonna be like having a job as a weatherman in texas is the best job security you could have because if you mess up, oh well, everybody else messed up too. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> like like the predicting it's crazy. And uh and not only that, when it does happen, there's no telling if it's gonna hit you or not. Right. So like here we are, we have tornadic type of activity happen. Hail the size of golf balls just coming down, pelting. Storm chasers coming from all over the country to come down here and watch it all happen. And there's a little town two miles west of here that just got completely blasted. Like cars were wrecking on the highway and, you know, a few more miles west of there. in Sherman, people were losing their windshields from the hail. Yeah. My wife calls me from home and she's like, Oh, the trees are circling, and it's starting to rain, and all this. And I'm sitting here looking out the window of my little office, and I'm like, nothing. Like, there's <laughs> wind's not blowing. I can see the sky. <laughs> you just I never know. Didn't rain a drop during that first cell. Wow. And and, and what was even weirder about this is, you know, my, my in-laws live, you know, right next door. Right. And... They, my father-in-law stepped outside of his house, looked over at my place and saw the trees just doing, you know, pirouettes. And he's like, it's coming. It's coming. It's about to hit. And it never did. And they're (laughs) right there next door. They never got that wind. Wow. Isn't that weird? That's so crazy. Yeah. So strange. Yeah, well, we were in the storm cellar two days before that on Sunday night, and uh, mm. there was one. 
Let's see, Hit Norman. I don't know why anybody lives in Moore. I just don't understand why anybody lives in Moore, Oklahoma anymore. Because they know that tornadoes are going to come through Moore every mm, single mm, time. Like, yeah. It's the same path. It's been the same path since Isn't the 80s. Isn't that weird? Hasn't changed. It's I, weird. I, don't, I don't understand. North it. Texas. North Texas has Paris. Yep. Always gets hit by storms, which is on the east side of us. And then you've got... Gainesville, over here on yep. the west side, always gets hit by the storms and gets annihilated. We always skirt the big storms. Right. The, the la- you know, the last time we had a big tornado here in Savoy was like 1880. Uh, yeah. yeah, it wiped out the women's college, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, no, the college survived. It wiped out the town, though. The, all oh, the downtown okay. area, just gone. Wow. And, But, yeah, so so weird, though. We haven't had any major storm since then. Maybe we're due. Kind of nuts. And then today, you know, it's like 70 degrees out and beautiful. And yeah. birds are chirping. And I, yeah. saw a, I saw a post on Facebook somebody put down. It was like, Texas weather, don't you play nice with us like you didn't try to kill us last night. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Oh, man. Yeah, we forget that it happened. Oh, yeah. well. And then, and then during this time, you know, here we are hitting around 60, 70 degrees. And over there in California, they're in a blizzard. Blizzard. <laughs> what? It's the end Can't times, David. It's the Can't end times. I'm it's telling running. you, man. It's it's uh it's the end times. That's what it is. <laughs> the moon will turn to blood. That's right. The stars, the stars will fall, fall from heaven, uh-huh. and it'll snow in California. <laughs> turn them surf, uh, surfboards into snowboards, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had this friend. From work, who lives in San Bernardino or lives near San Bernardino, went up to San Bernardino National Park yeah. and got snowed in. Like, compl- like I'm talking snow covering the car, like that kind of snowed in. <laughs> That's insane. Oh man! Wow, so crazy, crazy. So what a world! What a world! That's right. So Easter's upon us. Uh, I'm looking forward it to is. the Easter retreat that I'm going to get to take part in with you. It's going to be fun. Where are you uh, going on an Easter retreat to, Jeremiah? Down there in Texas. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Where am I supposed to show up? I forget. <laughs> you need to You need to email it's my with wife. Me. You're coming down here with me. Oh, yeah, with you. I know that, but I don't remember the place at all. <laughs> Gathering Time is the name of the ranch. We'll Gathering give them a plug. Time Ranch. Yeah, it's and uh we're gonna it's, gather. It's near it's near the uh, greater greater metropolitan area of Telephone, Texas. Ah, which telephone. by the way was named Telephone because why? It was the only telephone in the county. <laughs> <laughs> At one point. <laughs> and now they can't even get call. They can't even get cell service there now. No, you can't. <laughs> I did it. It's a I black let, zone. You drop it. off the planet when you drive over in that area. I let a D now in there for a weekend, and I'm like, 
this is the worst place in the world. Like, there's no internet. There's no <laughs> cell service. You are in the yeah. boonies, bro. Yeah, yeah. There's they're still in the 1800s up over there. That's right. You've got to go to the outhouse. You know, it's <laughs> crazy. Anyways, so uh, we ready to do this study? Yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> let's see what kind of disruptive study can we do this oh, time. Oh, man. Don't get me in trouble again. Come Did on I get now. you in trouble last week? No, you didn't. It was pretty No one good. listened to it. It was pretty mild um, <laughs> in comparison to some of the others. <laughs> let's yeah, talk about going, egalitarianism. You're not going. Again. You're not going to heaven. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that one again. No, so, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> Okay, so um, today we're going to address the law. Oh. The giving of the law. Now, when you say law, what are you talking about here, David? The first five books? Are we talking Torah? Are we going to walk through Genesis through Deuteronomy? Exactly. We're going to go through the entire book of Leviticus line by line. And you guys better be... And you guys better be listening. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're just gonna touch the surface today. We're gonna talk about the Ten Commandments Ooh, and the Big Ten. How, how how deep can that study get? That that can't be too big a deal, right? It's it's like, pretty pretty basic there, you know. Yeah, what, yeah. What, nothing, what are you gonna say? Nothing to it, but to an antinomian like myself. Oh my lord. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's the part of getting me in trouble. Antinomian, my foot. Okay. From the very basic definition, I'm pretty close to that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you need to make a dis- disclaimer about that. David is not an antinomian, as people know antinomians. He doesn't say <laughs> no law. The he law says, was fulfilled under Christ. That's my take. Yes, and that's a biblical so, take, by the way. <clears throat> so, speaking of the law, whenever uh-huh. okay, so whenever we talk about the Ten Commandments, we memorize this stuff, right? This is Sunday school material. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we we carve these things in stone even today in English. Yep. Mm-hmm. We we post them at the courthouse. We post them not anymore. Post them at the Capitol, but oh, not anymore. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean. They're, they, they're, it's predominant. It, right. They used to teach it in school. I remember right. that. Um, but anyway, so the Ten Commandments. We look at it. How do we normally look at the Ten Commandments? What are the Ten Commandments from a layman's perspective? What would you? Uh, what, how would you? How would you say we normally look at it? We, we would look at these as the ten basic laws that God gave Moses and the Israelites in the desert, in the wilderness, on Mount Sinai. Right, Grogu? Yes. <laughs> and uh, they are, let's see, let's, there's three of them that focus on our relationship with God, mm. and the rest focus on our relationship with man. Uh, 
Am I am I hitting this? Yeah, uh, yeah. This is in fact, this is getting a little. This is getting a little heady. This is getting a little theological. Deuteronomy, yeah. Deuteronomy mm-hmm. chapter five uh, is where we find them. Uh, Exodus twenty. Exodus twenty is also where we find them. I like Deuteronomy <laughs> chapter five because it's easier. But whatever yeah. you want to do, um, yeah. So so. God, wait, hold on, I'm not finished. Moses hurled the first ten that were written by the hand of God at a calf. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Exodus, but it was quite an event. Everything blew up. I mean, it was pretty cool, whatever he cast them down, and Mm -hmm. it was awesome. There's this great pyrotechnics happening. And then he had a... Great special effects for 1956, I think? 54, 56? And then Charlton Heston had to climb up back up the mountain, and God was like, uh-uh, ain't doing it again. You're going to have to ride it with your own hand this time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's all so, I got. Sorry. Okay, yeah. That, well, that's pretty much what we would we would normally say. Yeah. I mean... Um, so study over. See you all next week. Yeah, bye. <laughs> um, so you know what we, we normally do is we, we list them. We usually even put a number in front of them, right? Yeah. Number one, uh-huh. number two, number three. Commandment number four, commandment number five. Like we we enumerate them, which is kind of like making a checklist item out of them. Right. Um, it's Most of it is part of what we would consider the moral law. Um, in yeah. theological aspects, the law is divided up. Civil law, moral law, ceremonial law. But the the interesting thing cleanliness laws. Yeah, uh, the interesting thing about the Bible itself is that it doesn't do that. <laughs> right. We're the ones who start dividing it up, and the reason why we start dividing this up is because most people don't view law quite the way I do. They view it as well. We don't hold to the ceremonial laws anymore. That was. That was ended with Christ's crucifixion, but the moral laws still exist, and they still stand. Okay, yeah. well, okay, that's that's a Christian theologian's definition of how the law works, and not the Jewish <laughs> biblical <laughs> well, version and, of it. And here's here's the thing with people who say that, and <clears throat> I used to be one. When we say that, we really don't understand the working of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And mm. by uh, um, by connection, we also don't, under, don't understand Paul's epistle to, to the um, Galatians, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that if we're following the Holy Spirit's call in our lives and we're not going to trespass against his law that he's implanted in our heart we don't need a list anymore yes and yes what what we've done is theologians has tried to divide this law and again I, I agree with you there is nowhere in scripture where the law is ever divided it's given as a unit it should stay as a unit mm-hmm. to me and so so not to be a <clears throat> roots guy because i'm not but I'm the opposite. So, of that. so why, if you think about it, it makes sense that we would divide it that way because it is given in different parts, right? 
The Ten Commandments are given separately from this is how you build the temple or this is how you build the tabernacle and this is how you should make your sacrifices and this is what you should do uh, if you're menstruating (laughs) and all the other commandments that all came from that conversation that Moses ultimately had with God. So let's look at the Ten Commandments for a minute. We usually list them out. And so if we just go through them right quick, and I'm going to do it in the typical manner where we read them number-wise. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, you shall make no idols, more or less. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Number five, Honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And ten, you shall not covet. So, there you have it. Ten laws to live by. Nine of which are still effective today and one of them isn't. Well, <laughs> you made Sorry. a really good point right there, by the way. And earlier I said three deal with God and the rest deal with humans. I meant yeah. four deal with God and six deal with humans. I shouldn't have done that right. But you make a really good point. The one, the one that, and what they've done is they've taken this whole idea of the Sabbath and changed it into Sunday worship. And that is not mm-hmm. at all in the reading. No, 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 no. It is not. It's not what it is. No. If you're, yeah, it, Sabbath never changed from Saturday to Sunday. That's not a biblical concept. Right. Um, so, but I don't want to get off on that. Maybe we'll. We need to do a Sabbath. Have we done a Sabbath? We did. Didn't I we? think. I think we have. It's been a while. Um, I, it, that one's fresh in my heart because I have a student who. Uh, uh, her family decided that they they they're gonna live you know live the law and so they're they're not <laughs> she she's she was gonna come to my d now but because part of it's on Sunday or part of it's on Saturday uh, well actually most of it's on Saturday she has to stay at rest all day she can't do anything and we were gonna do yeah. They went to synagogue. They went to synagogue on Sabbath. That was part of it. (laughs) Whatever. So I think we really do need to do another one of those just to refresh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll put that on the back burner. So here's my take. I'm going to like skip right to the, to the, to the heart of it. To the meat. This was net. Yeah. This was not meant. These 10 commandments weren't meant to be simply a legalistic giving of laws to follow, whether it's moral, civil, whatever, ceremonial. Like, that wasn't the intent of it. What this is, is a marriage contract. Mm. What happened Mm. at Sinai was a marriage between Israel and God. So that's where I'm, so that's where I'm going. And I want us to, to maybe look at the, Look at the Ten Commandments in a slightly different way than maybe what we have before. Okay. So, where do we get this? So, there's several places uh, that I want to 
I want to look at. First off, you have your 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 you're going to be my Bible reader again. Oh yeah, you I got, got my Bible. Okay, Exodus chapter six. I want to look at verse seven. Exodus chapter six verse seven says this: "I will take you as my people, and I will be your God." You will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. Okay, so let's remember kind of what the the setting of what's going on here. Uh, Moses had just led them after the ten plagues of Egypt out of slavery, out of the out of uh, enslavement from the Egyptians. They're fleeing into the promised land, and they. Uh, Pharaoh changes his mind, sends his army after them. They get to the Red Sea, and they're ready to give up already. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Then Charlton Heston takes the staff and hits the water with it, and it splits open in the best special effects of nineteen of the 1950s. 50s. So, I didn't get that. Can oh, you try again? Siri, really? I didn't get that. Oh, I'm sure you don't understand. You can... Okay. Charlton Heston's here. You remember? Yes. So, yes, Moses calls upon on God and the, the sea splits and the children of Israel walk through on dry land. And when they clear out of there and the Egyptian army is coming through, the water collapses back upon itself, drowns the Egyptian army, salvation to the people of Israel. Yay. So this is all coming off of the heels of that. Now, first question not ancillary question to this is, what did the children of Israel do to earn that salvation that God gave them? Nothing. Nothing. In fact, <laughs> the very moment that he saved them, they were grumbling. Right. Oh no, we're going to it be better if we stayed slaves than to get killed here by the by the sea. Right. So uh, so anyway, I want us to keep it in our minds that God didn't expect them to follow some rule to get their salvation. It's the other way around. He gave them salvation from the Egyptians. And now he is he's starting to state why he did this. Because they're his chosen people. They, people. He chose them. To be his. Now, I want to look at the very first of that verse. It says, I will take you to myself. Mm-hmm. The word in the Hebrew for te- that's translated take is laka. This word means when in the context of a relationship, like he is meaning it in this context here, it means to marry and so this st- same statement could have been translated, I will marry you as my people and I will be your God. Um, so this is how the, the Bible tends to use this word, lacha. So let's jump over to Genesis 24 and look at verse 67. <clears throat> Oh, I'm in Exodus. Sorry. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. I'm like, there's not 67 verses. (laughs) 
Genesis 24, 67. And Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and took Rebe Rebekah to be his wife. Isaac loved her, and he was comforted after his mother's death. Ain't okay, nothing more so comforting than a wedding. That's right. So Isaac took Rebekah. He took her. Laka. As his wife. Laka. That's exactly the word that is used there. You got to get uh, some phlegm. Laka. Laka. The next, the very next chapter, Genesis 25, verse 1, says, Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Ketra, and she yes. bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Sean. So any guesses as to what the word taken in that passage means? Laha. Laha. So the same the same thing uh, here. Uh, while you're there in that area, jump over to the next chapter. Chapter 26, verse 34. And it says, um, 26 verse 34? Yes. Oh. When Esau was 40 years old, he lacha his wife, <laughs> Judith, daughter of Barry the Hittite, and Basemath, daughter of Elion the Hittite, and they made life bitter. For Isaac and Rebecca, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, um, so Esau was forty years old, and he married Lacha Judith. So we can, you know, lab labor this to death. But you get the picture that Laha. this word is not just talking about I'm going to take you and you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God, and you're going to serve me. Like, no, this is this is relationship of marriage that he is referring to. Right. The the prophets saw this. I'm going to skim through these real, really quick because we could uh we could read them like to death. But so the prophets saw this as a marriage. Uh Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2 Go and declare in the hearing of the people of Jerusalem this is what the Lord says. I have fond memories of you how devoted you were to me in early years. I remember how you loved me like a new bride. You followed me through the wilderness, through a land that has never been planted. So he's talking about the same time frame, the wilderness. You followed me through the wilderness like a what? Not just a bride, a new a bride. New bride. Yeah. You married me at Sinai. And we went through the wilderness together. I have fond memories of that. <laughs> I think this is really cool. Because <laughs> this is yeah. obviously hundreds of years later. Um, right. Isaiah, Isaiah 54, verse 5. For your husband is the one who made you, the Lord who commands armies in his name. He is your protector, the Holy One of Israel. He is called God of the entire earth. So Isaiah calls God the husband of Israel. Um, so anyways, we have this concept. Okay, they did. They got married. The The children of Israel married God. And so in the tradition of uh, Jewish weddings, 
dating back in ancient times, uh, you always had the ceremony underneath a little tent that you made. This tent was called the hoopah. They still do this today. And it's usually like the wife's family. They build this like before the wedding. It's like, okay, even we have a little bit kind of over here in America, we do kind of a similar thing with the, there's usually an arch Arch, or something up there. This is like that, but it's got four posts and a roof. Yeah. And you always got married underneath this. Let me, uh, if you're wondering what this looks like, go watch uh, season one of The Chosen. Uh, mm. when um, it, it's Jesus at the wedding with Jesus' yes. mother, right? Her wedding at Cana, yeah. Wedding at Cana, and, and uh, some of the scenes before that, the mother of the bride is working on building this hookah, which is, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's really cool how, I just, little nod to that, because yeah, there's a lot of extra good. little detail that goes into the making Because that. In, the, in that show, you know, they made a big deal about the hoopah, and yeah. and she was even uh, the future father in law was even very critical about it, yeah. it being a little crooked and you know this right. that and the other. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, this is a thing. Just yeah, this was part of the, a wedding ceremony, and they made a right. deal out of it. So um, I want do you, uh, what version are you reading out of? I'm reading out of my Holman. I have my ESV and my NASB around here. If you need those, well, let's just or see I what it says in. Let's see what it says in the in the Holman in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse ten and eleven. It says, "The day you stood before the Lord your God." Um, at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Assemble the people before me, and I will let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and may instruct their children. You came near and stood at the base of the mountain, a mountain blazing with fire into the heavens, and enveloped it in a totally black cloud. Then the Lord spoke to you from the fire. You kept hearing the sound of the of the words but didn't see a form. There was only a voice. Okay. So that's good going. enough. Now, um, so we have here the event. They right. all gather at the base of Mount, Sinai. Mount Horeb slash Sinai. So right. um, the, the wording, again, in the Hebrew, that's probably translated from the Holman there, base of the mm-hmm. mountain, um, some say at the foot of the mountain. Um, here I'm going to read just that part from the King James, which, believe it or not, is actually very close to the Hebrew meaning of the words, more so than that. And it says, And ye came near and stood under the mountain. So the Hebrew word underneath that uh, literally means underneath. Now we know that the people didn't climb under the mountain inside some cave. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like we knew, we know they didn't do that. We know this is a figure of speech, but it's word pictures for what's happening, right? They stood that word that is used for Under. under under the mountain. The same word is a word they would use to talk about shale being under the earth, like it meant underneath. And right. so that's a that's really this stood under the mountain is a good translation of the original text. So technically, Mount Sinai, Horeb, basically is a hupa. The bride is standing underneath the, this mountain while God performs the ceremony. And so you have this relationship between how they did weddings and what's happening at Sinai. Right. And then I have one other little point about this, and that would be um, a reference from Exodus chapter 19, which is right before the giving of the law. Exodus 19, verse 10 and 11. And the Lord told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes. And be prepared by the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Okay, so... He tells them, it's about to happen. I need them to go get clean. I need them to go get washed. Well, guess what the Jews do in preparation for their weddings? They go down into the mikvah. The mikvah is a ceremonial bath, much much like a baptistry. Baptistry, yeah. And they go and they dip themselves into this water as a ceremonial cleansing before they come into the wedding. Same thing. God's telling them, the wedding's coming. I'm the groom. I'm coming. In three days, I need you to go get washed and get clean because it's about to happen. And if you think about it, it happens with pomp and circumstance, does it not? Clouds show up. The mountain shakes. Lightning like it's a big show, right? Yeah. The biggest, the biggest wedding that that ever happened. And so now let's look at uh, the Ten Commandments themselves. So Exodus chapter 24, read says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay there so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandments I have written for their instruction. Okay. You notice that he doesn't give him a tablet. There's only 10 items written on this. He gives him tablets. So it's plural. There's at least two of them. And in fact, we know from later readings, there were two of them. Right. So we normally, we and we know this, even Charlton Heston comes down with in two. the movie with two <laughs> yeah. in his hands. Yeah. And what's that comedy thing where, you know, 
Moses comes down and one of the ten, he says, I come to you with these 20 commandments. And then one of them falls and breaks falls. and he goes, 10 commandments. Ten commandments. <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, he, they're on two, two tablets. We always just assume God must have written, wrote it with his big finger and could and only huge, fit five yeah. per stone. And so, you know, you got one tablet with five and the other tablet with five. But it, the text doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us that at all. But here's something to consider. Whenever Hebrews would get married, and still today when Jews get married, they write what's called a ketubah. The ketubah is the wedding vows written down on a hard, it's usually a decorative uh, piece of paper, and it's all written out real pretty, illuminated with nice little flowers and stuff around it so that you can frame this or you keep it or whatever, like we might do, you know, a degree or whatever we have hanging on our walls. And so they would write the ketubah, and then what they would do is they would copy it, and they would make two copies of it. Because one of them belonged to the woman and one of them belonged to the man. And so each one of them had a copy of the ketubah. So what God is doing here, he's writing his ketubah and making a copy of it. One of those represents his copy. One of them represents their copy, right? And so... There's a mirror happening here with, again, the practice and the performance of a wedding. Yeah. So so what, did, so what did they write on? They write the vows of the contract the, on the ketubah. That's what goes onto it. Huh. So let's stop and think about these commandments. So let's jump over to Exodus 20 and just read verse 2 through 3 to start out with. This will be... Quote-unquote commandment number one. It says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. Do not have any gods beside me. Okay. So, when you got married to Christina, did you say anything about this being an exclusive relationship? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? You say that in the vows. Right. And cleave only to you, or however it gets worded. Right. Like, to you only. Like, it is a exclusive relationship. And that's all God is doing. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm your husband. Not some other God. I am your husband. Right? So this is... This very similar, the same thing that we would sure. do in our marriage vows. So let's continue. Let's look at verse 4 through 6. Do not um, make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and don't serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's iniquities to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so 
Now, reading this from the aspect of a, a wedding vow, instead of calling this commandment number two, like it just kind of blends in with the same thing he stated before, right? So sure. now he's saying, um, so in a modern situation, we might say, I promise I won't keep any photos on my phone of any woman other than you. You are the only picture that I will gaze at when I think about the who I love, right? right. That's what it's saying. He's not he and he even says, I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous husband. I don't want you holding on to pictures of some other guy. Right. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. This is an exclusive contract between us. Yep. And that's all he's saying. In fact, uh, notice how he ends that entire uh, statement talking about love. Yeah, he talks about commandments. You keep the commandments. And by the way, this word keep also has a broader uh, meaning than what we tend to put on it. We look at keeping commandments as obedience. But the true words underneath that, the implication is cherish it. Yes, you do obey it, but that's not the only thing. You keep them close to you, in your heart. Like, I'm going to cherish the words of my husband. And that's what he's asking them to do, because he even says that. With love, with love, I want you to hold these things and keep them with love for me. So again, this is about an exclusive relationship. Right. Not too dissimilar than what we might offer in a modern day wedding vow. Um, yeah. Verse seven. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. You know, I think it's kind of all of this wording about punishment and stuff that gets people thinking in terms of <laughs> of legalisms because it's like punitive. Um but if we think about what it's saying here, now for for one, if you're still thinking that this commandment, number three, is don't say, oh my God, or oh my Lord, if you think that that's what this means, <laughs> nothing, right. not even close, not even right. close to what this commandment means. So what he's saying is, you're taking my name upon you. You're going to go out into this wide world with my name. And I want this to be a relation. I want the relationship to look right. I want it to look like you're representing my bride. I, yeah. I want you to be uh, someone who talks like me and follows me and doesn't just say you're my wife, but then goes and does things a wife wouldn't do. Like, so don't misrepresent me because we're married now. Yeah. We're, we're one. You carry the name of God whenever you, whenever you, you're in a relationship with him, you carry that name wherever you go. And mm-hmm. so when you misrepresent it, it's, it's the same in my, uh, the grandfather would say, you know, this is a special, this or name, a special name. Don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't tarnish that name. 
I think it's the same. Absolutely, you're right. It's the same thing here. And it's very easy for Christians to go, ah, I don't say, oh, my God, so I'm not breaking that third commandment. But then live lives that are totally anti, anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, you know, they're breaking that third commandment, whether they, they know it or not. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, so. it, yeah it's... it's um... It's important. And I mean, in most cultures, not even necessarily the Jewish culture, but most cultures actually even take upon themselves the name of the person they're marrying. Just like right. in our culture, our surname, right. you know, women change their surname to usually to the man, to the man's. And so you see the a, a pattern. It's the same pattern of, sure. of what we see there. Um Let's look at uh, verse 8 through 10, that famous, quote-unquote, fourth commandment. (laughs) Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you or your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Okay, so um, this does read very legalistic. I mean, it makes makes perfect sense we are where we are. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand (laughs) how we got there. But, uh, in fact, it didn't take them long to get there either. No, no, no. During Midrash, they were making laws upon laws about this yes, stuff. Yes, This This right here is the most confusing commandment to them ever. They right. spent so much time trying to figure out how to obey this command. If, you, if you're ever curious about it, read the 31 volumes of the Babylonian Talmud. Mm. <laughs> it's all, like there's so much in there about what constitutes work and... That's, and even Jesus scoffed at them for yeah. making too big of a deal out of, he even said the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath, right. which is very telling as to what this commandment is about. It's not about, um, it's not about obedience. It's about resting with him. Mm. It's about, okay, so let's say we put something weird in our wedding vows is like, Every Friday night is date night. And we're going to make sure that we we don't we don't spend time doing anything else but me and you. We're going to have our own private time and we're going to we're going to dedicate ourselves to that. Okay? So we don't lose sight of this relationship and what it means to us. Right. I, now, don't, I, I don't, here's yeah. My big thing with the, this whole remembering the Sabbath and this is goes right into this the purpose now again god created the world in six days first off he didn't have to do it in six days he could have done it in a moment but he chose Mm -hmm. to do it in six days and then he chose to rest on the seventh this is before sin enters the equation this is before anything else happens right Mm -hmm. this is him creating the world and then resting on the seventh to set up a picture for us of this idea of rest in him and then yeah, he wasn't have, out of breath. No, he, he didn't, 
God never has to rest. He doesn't have to. <laughs> and then he has the Garden of Eden, which is this perfect peace and rest. Adam was always at rest with God mm-hmm. in the garden. Yes. yes. He, mm-hmm. he was his God and Adam was his man and they were at rest. Even work was not work to him. Work became painful and hard after the fall. So yes. whenever yes. he's, he's saying this in, in uh, uh, Exodus 20, he's given this law the purpose for this is for the Israelite people to remember that there was a day when they were completely, perfectly at peace and rest in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a day for them to stop whatever it is they're doing, their toil, all the other junk of life, and to go back to that idea of rest with God in the garden. Right. right. And that's a huge thing. I mean, it fits right along to that whole marriage yeah. idea because yeah, but, get, because you do do that don't you yeah we get in a rat race and i forget i'm married you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. easy and, i've uh, got a wife at home what was it uh it's a wonderful life <laughs> <laughs> whatever they have the run on the bank and all that and he was yeah. like mary mary i've got mary. a wife at home oh. <laughs> <laughs> just gotten married <laughs> oh. i've got a wife so um <laughs> So, so leave your finger there on chapter 20, sure. but jump over to Exodus 31. Okay. And look at verse 13. Because there's something else here that I think is very important for us to, to understand about this commandment. Tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Excuse me, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. Okay, so think about that. It's a sign between me and you. Right. So in other words, when you're out there in these other nations and they see you drop everything on the day and say, I'm going to synagogue, I'm going to be with God today, that sticks out like a sore thumb. And everybody knows those people have a God, a God. Like, it's not a pantheon of that we pray to and we want to harvest. Like, no, every Saturday, those people are uh, are not working with us. So, therefore, right. it's a sign to the world that they're married. They got somebody. Right. So, if we walk around in our own culture and we walk around and we see somebody with a ring on the third finger of their left hand, what do we think? They're married. They're married. It's a sign. It's a sign I put on whenever I got married, and it remains as a sign when I'm out yeah. and about. And so, it's 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 a it's a pattern. It's it's just another part of the pattern that shows this is a marriage that's yeah. happening, and these are are simply designed not to. Lord over the children of Israel with a bunch of rules. It's meant to be covenantal, a marriage covenant that is happening. Um, And so now I just want to read verse 12 through 17 of our Exodus 20 passage and just kind of look at all these kind of together. Okay. Honor your father and mother 
so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony against your neighbor. And don't covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay, so this last part to me, I mean, we number them, and we keep them separate in our normal list. But I kind of look at all these as like kind of the same thing. And that's basically this. This is how we're going to raise our family. Like we're going to teach our kids. You don't kill people. You you don't steal from people. You don't, you don't lie to people. Like this is how I, these, these are the ethics that my family is going to live by. And so we're not going to lie to each other. We're not going to steal from one another. You know, you're not going to try and kill me. I'm not going to try and kill you. Like, this is this is this is just a standard of living that you're setting up for your family in this marriage contract. And uh, obviously, it's a little different when you're marrying a one person. It's easier to 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 kind of keep that. That's why I used your kids because that's probably the closest thing I can think of in relationship right. to marrying a nation of people. Like God married a nation of people and they all had to deal with one another, right? So it's very right. similar to, this is how my household behaves. We're in love and I want y'all to all love one another. <laughs> and so when when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandments? He turns to that. You you love your God, your husband, as yourself, and you love your neighbor. It's like loving yourself because you're all condi- you're all the bride, right? And so anyway, I just kind of look at this as an outline of this is how our household's going to be. It's going to be so, structured with love. Yeah, yeah. This makes total sense when you're looking at this from a marriage aspect whenever you go through the major and minor prophets, especially Mm -hmm. because if there's one issue that the Israelites have or that God brings about against them over and over and over again, it's adultery, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that's the image he always uses. I mean, you think Hosea, uh, Hosea. Yeah. And (laughs) And he he literally uses that picture. It's 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 over and over and over again, and it's something that's so detestable to God that every picture he uses <laughs> relates back to somebody that's having to live in a um, adulterous marriage, where mm-hmm. the where the adulterer just keeps keeps going away from God. If there's one thing that he can't stand. All throughout the Old Testament, it's idol worship. Yep, like that's yep. the number one issue with him. It, every almost every time, I was noticing this when we were walk, walking through some of our Old Testament studies in group, and it was like almost every time you hear God just losing it because he does on occasion <laughs> loses yeah. it. Starts like, okay, now I'm just going to let everyone come and kill you because you're just you're it done. always <laughs> it always has to do with serving other gods. Yeah. It's all about fidelity. It's not, yeah. it, 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 he doesn't, 
He doesn't do this whenever they're marrying a bunch of women. He doesn't do this whenever they're having a bunch of wars and killing a lot of people. He doesn't do this when it, like there when the thievery happens. He doesn't do this. He he might slap them on the wrist. He might you know there might be some tragic results to this. Look at David and his murder and adultery that he went through, like physical adultery. The, there was consequences, but God didn't wipe out his whole. Didn't wipe out everybody, on, but when they start, scale, yeah. <laughs> when they start worshiping other gods, oh man, wheels come off. God's God's about to get real on them and go medieval. Yeah, on them. I, I think of Numbers twenty two twenty three, where Balaam manipulates the people into intermarrying, and God's God's not concerned about the intermarriage. What he's concerned about is. The worship of idols that happens because of the because intermarriage. Because of the intermarriage. And, right, right. And, and what happens after that is, I mean, God wipes out over half of their population because of that. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a messed up thing. He is Ugh. a jealous God. He is. And he's, he has yeah. staked his claim, and he, and he gives generously. That's one of the things that I think that we often forget. Right before right. this so-called legal uh, proclamation was salvation through grace. Right. Like, like the law didn't come until after grace. Right. And it's, and, and it's the same way for us. Like, okay, so whenever we make our vows and we live by our vows, do we look at them as burdensome? Afterward, I mean, do we look at our vows that we made to our wives as hopefully oh, not? Oh <laughs> my gosh! Now I've got to do this because I made that stupid promise twenty years ago. <laughs> we don't really treat it that way. We don't, you know. We well, oh, hopefully I've gotta, not. But well, you bring I mean, up something very interesting because some people end up doing that, right? They they uh, mm. they come to resent their vows. What a, and that's, what a sad state. And that's true. I I want to say if you love your wife, let's put that caveat on there. If you love <laughs> your wife, do you see the commands you made to her, the vows you made to her, as overly burdensome? Like work. Yeah, you see them as a blessing. Like, yeah. oh, I'm only going to get rewarded in this relationship if I work. Like, no, that's not how we we look at it. We don't view our marriage through the lens of legalism until we want a divorce. (laughs) Like, but during a happy marriage, we don't view it as legalism, but we look, we view it as love and commitment. Yeah. And that is what God wants out of us is love and commitment. He, he's not, he's not after a bunch of rule keepers. In fact, many times after this, they go the direction of rules and laws, find every loophole they can to try and break the law without breaking the law. I mean, it's just, they'll, okay, well, we'll serve you at, at, at the temple, but uh, tomorrow I'm going to go ahead and make a few sacrifices up in Dan just in case because I got a harvest that's coming up next month. No. <laughs> yeah, and God's like, don't even show up. That was his right. words to Isaiah, through Isaiah 10. Close the doors. I don't even want you yeah. here. So it's not about just obeying the rules. 
It, it, it's it's about commitment. It's about love. And whenever you have a love and commitment, the rule following just happens. It's just part of who you are now. It becomes and, uh, a natural byproduct of of that relationship. And you cherish them. And you do you protect them. And you do everything mm-hmm. you can to protect those. That's and the a, cool thing is, picture. if you really look at it, he goes out of his way so many times to rescue us. And to save us, yeah. and to protect yeah. us, and culminating in the cross, he comes down, born in a manger, in the mud, in the mire, never has a home. Like makes the greatest sacrifice. Like it was a bad enough sacrifice just to be one of us, much less <laughs> to be a poor one of us and have nothing to your name really. Right. And then go to the cross and suffer for us. That's love. Like that's a sacrificial God. That's a husband mm. that is is willing to to go to his death for us. And uh, Amen. It shows us just how committed um, he he is to us. So that's the truth. Last point I got is that. Um, if you've ever seen a Jewish wedding, it's party. Yeah. Like, it's full of dancing and drink and merriment. And do you know that even today, a lot of Jewish uh, groups, they dance at the reading of the Ten Commandments? That makes a I lot just, of sense. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, I want to do that. I want to be like, okay, today at church, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments and y'all gonna y'all going to get out here and bust a groove. <laughs> nice, man. <laughs> so maybe you're not so much an antinomian now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's yeah. great. Yeah, the whole point is... There's there's not a binding law here. There is love and commitment. And right. that leads to behaviors that the law is shooting for. <laughs> right. So let's dance and celebrate for the God we love wants to be our wants to be married to us and has has committed himself to us. Therefore wants our Wants us to to reciprocate that right. commitment. Beautiful. So, good man. That's good. Setup. That's all I got. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, do you have some news for us? Uh, we could do a couple things real fast. How about that? All right, let's do it. First one I want to talk about. Oh wait, go ahead and hit oh. your button. And now the news. Button pushed. <laughs> All right, so Jesus Revolution. Have you seen that yet? Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Have you seen it? I haven't. We're going on Sunday. Oh, dude. It's a, a, a brilliant picture. I mean, I, I know it's based on a true story, and I'm sure it's, it's uh, some artistic license happening here. But... I got to say, one of the things I really love about it is that it's honest. 
it's not all, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever watched any of those movies like the, like fireproof or, or those guys, you know, and it's like ridiculously happy endings in, (laughs) in everything. If you just follow God, all these wonderful things happen. Um, this, this movie's not like that. This movie's very real. Like, it hits you where you live because we can all relate to, to those characters and what they're going through. And um, yeah, it's just a really good, really good film. That's awesome. So, so yeah, it would have to be as far, you know, as far as realism, I mean, it can't be all perfect and, and happy because of the subject matter. I mean, you're dealing with, um, I was, Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee and his Lonnie uh, Frisbee. And mm-hmm. it's such an amazing thing to me. I, I, man, it's so hard to see what happened to Lonnie in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know you, have you listened to, um, the downfall of Marsh Hill part podcast? Yes. So, did you, do you remember that episode where they talked about Lonnie Frisbee? And, yes, uh, uh, vaguely. So, the whole point that they were making was celebrity pastors and what happens to them um, in a lot of instances. And Lonnie is one of those guys that was like, you know, he, I, I believe he was extremely faithful, uh, a follower of Christ. And, you know, he, he was sincere um, in his ministry. Um but as he became more popular, he ended up shuffling off a lot of, um, and this is, by the way, this is no, um, this isn't just my speculation. I mean, Chuck Smith, um, Greg Laurie, they both comment on this, <clears throat> that he would, he shuffled off a lot of, um, uh, accountability. Yeah. Um, in the end there and he struggled with homosexuality well, and, his whole and, life. And the fame went to his head uh, yes. as, as well. And, right. And so he ends up having a downfall and the whole, you know, he dies of AIDS, which is so horrific. And yeah. I think in the end he was, he was, uh, he, he prayed for forgiveness and, and turned right before he, you know, he passed. He, yeah. I heard that he actually, um, told Greg, Laurie that uh, that he was actually he believed God was going to heal him right of the AIDS and that he that there would be a following revolution a, a revival yeah. that would come from it so yeah and that and that never happened of course um, no. but I, the the point of the Jesus uh, revolution is incredible. I can't wait to watch it. It it got the reason I wanted to bring it up is it brought in more than 15 million in the box office opening weekend and the it, it came in third behind Ant-Man and the Wasp, of course, that could be the highest. <laughs> and a movie called Cocaine Bear, which I don't even <laughs> yes. know what that is. So, okay, so I got to tell you. Uh <laughs> Well, you first know what off, cocaine bear is? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I didn't know until we went to the movie theater. But So, cocaine bear is about... Uh, this is based on a true story, too. This bear actually finds some cocaine that was ditched out of a plane. No. And, and eats the cocaine. And no. Then, and gets, like, totally wasted and goes on a spree. 
<laughs> like a rampage? Yes, yes. Like a high rampage. <laughs> That's a true story? Yes, You're yes. Me. No. no. <laughs> so anyway, well, here's the funny part. So several of us went to go see Jesus Revolution together. And, yeah. you know, we're all kind of, all of us that went are all kind of middle-aged. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We just are. <laughs> and so we still have fond memories of hippies and whatnot. So we all kind of dressed in hippie attire. We had on tie-dye. And, of course and, you did. And I was like in my my Jesus sandals and my jean nice. jacket. And so we just kind of converge on the movie theater in hippie attire. We're all like hippies, you know. And I go up there to, to the concession stand and I'm buying my drinking stuff and the the young girl who's working the cash register she says oh i love your button it said love on it you know she was like yeah. i love that y'all are just all dressed like hippies that is so cool and i was like yeah one guess as to which movie we're coming to see and she goes cocaine bear <laughs> <laughs> and i was like cocaine bear no i didn't know there was a movie called <laughs> Is it, is it another hippie movie? Because maybe we'll just stay here all night. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway. That's great. So, yeah, uh, the the movie that it beat out, which I love, is Magic Mike's Last Ride. Or really? Last Dance or whatever. The, oh, yeah, so wow. Beat out Magic Mike, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so take that. I saw another meme uh, about... Uh, well, I'll save that for the next news. So the other thing, I just saw this from Relevant Magazine. Um, if you attended the Asbury outpouring, you might have measles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. There's been an outbreak of measles amongst the uh, attendees of the Asbury mm. revival, which is kind of funny. But, uh, dude, um, that revival has sparked more than like worship with more than 200 campuses around the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it lasted. I want to go into a little bit more depth on revival. I think we should do an episode on awakening versus revival. I think that's Mm -hmm. a very interesting concept for me um, to go through because, you know, life action was a big part of my life for two years. We prayed, you know, avidly for revival and, and what it, what it means even in today's culture is, different than traditionally like the awakenings and stuff. But the thing at Asbury was, it's absolutely amazing how God can, um, uh, can use young people to spark. Um, it's, it's just like the Jesus revolution to spark Mm -hmm. a movement of people calling on his name. And one thing that I found really frustrating was a lot of, especially in the reformed camp, a lot mm-hmm. of pastors kind of like bemoaning or downing belittling, it, downing it. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that's so ludicrous. You have people worshiping, you have people confessing sin, asking mm-hmm. repentance, seeking the Lord on their faces, praying for his anointing. And then pastors who are preaching this stuff from the pulpit every Sunday going, ah, I don't know if that's legitimate or not. That's Yeah, uh, we need to talk about you know, what revival is and what it isn't. 
And right. It's, this uh, is just this deal. is just emotional outpour is all that is. It's just <laughs> yeah. experiential. That, that has nothing to do with real faith. Okay, yeah. look, Christians, stop it. Yeah, like, seriously. The name of Jesus is making headline news. Right. Don't right. forget that. In, in, in don't 2023, for- which is don't huge. Don't forget that. Like, yeah. stop eating your own. My yeah. gosh. This drives Our me culture. crazy. You, you're going to get me on my high horse here. Because <laughs> well, what's do. nice to me is like, okay, ah. so at the Grammys, at the Grammys, like two nights before or three nights before, we had basic devil worship from a singer. You know what I mean? Like Sam <laughs> yeah. Smith going up there, who's a transgender guy. I guess, or no, he wants to be called they, so I don't know exactly. And then his transgender partner, who's the female slash male thing, and they do this ludicrous act of sex and the song about, you know, adultery, and that's our culture. And then three days later, God shows up. On the campus of Asbury, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that we should be bemoaning that or besmirching that at all. No, um, no, no, no. I think we should be supporting that and and um, encouraging that. I so. mean, for crying out loud, all we are when we start doing that is Pharisees calling Jesus a drunkard because he's hanging out with sinners. Right. I I really that's do. Right. I mean, I I I think that uh, Christians are our own worst enemy. We need to stop beating one another up. And start, people are going to live their faith a little bit differently here and there. And I, and speaking of future podcasts we want to do, I really do want to do one at some point about emotions and experiences. Because that is demonized in mainstream Christianity. And it, in my opinion, it shouldn't be. You, we just talked about our relationship with God being a marriage. Is there emotions and experiences in your marriage? Yes! In fact, it plays a large part yeah. in it. And we can't forget that. We can't discount things as emotional outpours or experiential uh, experiential experiences. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're getting upset about, like, just yeah. stop it. Like, yeah. worship has many forms. Yeah. Some of it's dry and boring. And some of it is... <laughs> Busting a groove, <laughs> right? Right. So, and it, I I think that it, the biggest thing is is it, there has to be a middle road in all that, and the purpose is you know, on the other side, Christianity isn't all emotions, but if it's emotionless, you might ask yourself what's going on there, mm-hmm. because if if God is not moving you. Um, and 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 drawing your affections, there's a there's you know it's it it becomes dry bones, yeah, and that's a it's a dangerous place to be. So, anyways, it's well, I say, a, a, I'm I'm there. I'm glad there was an outbreak in Asbury. I do too. Yeah, it it might have worked. It might have looked a little different than some people wanted it to, but you know what? What was it? Paul said in the, was it the Philippian letter, where he's like, the gospel of Christ is preached and therefore I rejoice. It's preached. Regardless, right. regardless of if they did it in vain, regardless if they did it for their own glory, whatever, 
the gospel of Christ yeah. was if one person if one person rejoiced. became if one person became a Christian through that then it was an the awesome whole thing of God. the whole thing is worth it that's right anyways all right that's all I got today man all righty so, well, you know what I didn't do I didn't pull up our script do you have yours oh I got mine what <laughs> what I don't have to send it to you. Boom, I'm ready. It's right here. On my, see, right there on my phone. I'm ready. I got it before David did. First uh, time ever. Gonna have, yeah, going to have to put that on the on the record books. <laughs> Whatever. So I guess... <laughs> That's awesome. All right, you oh, about ready? Man, I, pull, I pulled up the wrong one. Hang on a second. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm just losing... Control. Do you just want me to read the whole thing? Here. I can do that. I, I'll read the Theopop one. Oh, you're in Theopop? <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and we read off of that one. We haven't done that in a while. I know, we probably should. Yeah, there's some interesting ones. Shows okay, we can on. talk about. Alright, let me crank up the Battlestar. All I'm doing right now. Okay, go ahead. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Check out our... Oh, wait. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us, because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways that you can contact us. So many ways. And leave us feedback. You can send us an email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line which is 972-885-7270 you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts and maybe comment one or two things yeah and if you really like us and want more theonauts drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts your patronage there helps us with our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And lastly, don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. Jeremiah, thanks for being here. David, thank you. (laughs) God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. Transmission. This is your great commission transmission.